Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. Would you want your DNA and other healthcare data going to an authoritarian regime with a record of exploiting that data for repression and surveillance? Do you think that uh, COVID-19 was a biological 9-11? And do you think that in a race between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, Joe Biden will prevail? Well, those are the provocative themes of today's show with one of my most remarkable guest, Brandon Weikert. Brandon's great to have you back, returning guest. He's been on several times before. As I think you all may remember, his, his, his day job has been geopolitical analyst and he's written great books. There's a group, there's a book coming out now we're going to talk about today called Biohacked, which is China's race to control life. And then also he's written Winning Space and How America Remains a Superpower Through, uh, through Our Space Warfare or potentialities. And most recently, Brandon took a gig with uh, as a senior editor at 1945.com, where he's been charged with writing about presidential politics for 2024. And I know, don't we don't normally do politics on this show, but I, I just can't resist it given, given everything that's going on. But first, let's, let's start into the the Brandon's book. Brandon, welcome. Thank you for having me. And I, let's, uh, I start out with some provocative uh, statements here, a couple of them, maybe all three. Um, how about the DNA and the healthcare going to an authoritarian regime, aka China? Yeah. So it's important to understand that um, when we're talking about biotechnology uh, in today's world, this is the next big industry. This is what computers and the internet were 20, 30 years ago. This is the next big industry that's going to pop. So if you're making, and I'm not giving investment advice, but if you're making investments, we could use them. well, if you're looking to make good investments, the biotech sector is booming. And so um, get in while you can. China has recognized the, not just the profit potential, but they recognize that biotechnology is basically, as the subtitle of the book suggests, it's the way that they can control life. Um, when you think about genetics, think about it as a geneticist is a computer programmer. Okay, instead of manipulating ones and zeros in a, in a program, they're manipulating the genetic data that they accumulate on people, ordinary people, every, everybody. We give our genetic data around the world People do this, uh, blood tests, hair samples, skin samples, that goes somewhere. Um, and in the case of China, they have spent the last 15, 20 years buying up a lot of space in the biotech sector and partnering, more importantly, partnering with American and Western pharmaceutical and biotech firms, sometimes purchasing them outright in order to gain access uh, to the capabilities of those biotech firms. Um, in America and in the West. And then once they get access to those firms, they get access to the genetic data that they're holding. They then take that data and they accumulate it and put it into, in this case, the Beijing Genomics Institute, BGI. It's China's largest uh, biotech company. And they have the world's largest gene bank. And they're putting everybody's DNA data 
into that gene bank, and they're marrying it to artificial intelligence to collate the information quicker. Uh, and they're looking for things in our genes, either individual genes or group genes, that they can manipulate and they can uh, create what the Chinese military refers to as specific ethnic genetic attacks. And they're doing this on the Uyghurs, who are the Muslim, Turkic, uh, Chinese citizens of Western China, who they're putting into concentration camps. The first thing those concentration camp victims have to do is give over their DNA. And that DNA is collated in the BGI gene bank in Beijing. And then the Chinese go through and they're trying to figure out, well, this group has certain abnormalities. How can we manipulate that? They've been working with American biotech firms, American R&D firms, uh, you know, they, and with the American government, I think, yeah. on all this. And, right. and Wuhan was one of the examples that, the uh, that spring to mind, sort of the yeah. mother load. I mean, yeah. let's back up a little bit. The French developed the Wuhan yeah. lab initially. Yeah. And they told the French, you're not allowed to use this to develop bioweapons. Right. And the Chinese, I'm sorry, the, Fr the Chinese told the French you're not allowed to no, use it. the French it. told the Chinese. The French to, yeah. told the Chinese. Yeah. And, you know, the Chinese plowed ahead with, right. uh, with so uh, tell, tell that story. And then how did that yeah. morph into so, our involvement? Um, China is a rapidly developed or developing country that has now become a developed country. So once you reach that, and they don't acknowledge that they're a developed country for reason, political reasons. Um, but they are a developed. Well, they get tremendous benefits get tremendous, under the World Trade correct. Organization. That's exactly yeah, right. I mean, and they and get who, a who shepherded sure. that that deal through was Joe Biden when he was senator. Um, but that's you know for later. Um, we, we can talk yeah. about in that segment yes, three about yes, a, a but, um, Chinese operative remaining. That's president. exactly. Yes, you read my mind. <laughs> um, the real Manchurian candidate. Um, but. Um, so China doesn't admit they may get in trouble on this. Show. I, I yeah. always get, I, I, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm a troublemaker. They say, oh, what yeah. was your, this was the, you've been described as a panic and anxiety inducing scholar. It was either you or Bob Kaufman who described me as that once. And well, I loved it and I used it and I can't remember I'll, now. I'll <laughs> claim it. <laughs> Although I think I do that sometimes too. Anyway. Um, but, but no. And so, um, because I say things like this, that gets me in trouble. Yeah. Um, but it's true. Um, and with the Chinese, they are a developed country, even though they don't admit it. So part of being a developed country is they want to have access to high technology research and development, not just aerospace technology. We've talked about that before, not just uh, quantum computing or artificial intelligence. They want biotech as well. In fact, uh, President Xi Jinping, the leader of China, identified biotechnology as one of the key Fourth Industrial Revolution Industries. It's the new technological industries that make up this new industrial revolution. He identified biotech as being one of the key industries that China must dominate in order to achieve his China Vision 2049. Now, we're staying on biotech. We use we throw this term around a lot. Right. What specifically are, are the applications of biotech yeah. and, and what are the commercial purposes? Right. Well, so and I say this as a very unhappy investor in several biotech companies. Yeah, no, there's certainly. There, you <laughs> when know, are we going to get to market yeah, with this? So, guys? well, I was looking at what China's doing. Um, <laughs> and you had mentioned. What the, are the products? So, and what things are the, like. So, one of the things. Now, the thing is, these are long term projects. Sure. So, you have that, to understand. That, that's and, what my CEOs keep telling yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's true, though, because this is such revolutionary technology. There's going to be a lot of flops before there's a lot of yeah. you know hits. Um, but when you get one hit, it's just like the computer industry. You get one uh, Apple or one Microsoft, and the thing's going to take off. And so the Chinese are looking at this and saying, uh, human cloning. 
and I realize how this sounds, believe me, the, 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 the two industries I was looking at within the biotech field that really kind of evoked snickering initially for me until I got into the research and I saw, my goodness, this is legit, um, was human cloning programs. And um, the, um, uh, the animal hybrids they're doing and the gene doping. The, the way they're using CRISPR-Cas9, which is the gene editing tool that we in America developed and we shared with China, which allows scientists to go in and at the genetic level splice human genes and either take out unwanted or undesirable aspects of that individual's genome or input, and this is gene doping, input um, the genetic, the desired genetic material. Uh, and, and those three industries you hear them and you go, oh, come on. You look at the research, though, and I in, in the book, you know I have loads mm -hmm. of references. Yeah, detail. You, you look at the, the bibliography and the endnotes, you will find legitimate scientific journals talking about how China's leading the world with Sinogene, which is one of their companies, and BGI, uh, in developing uh, cloned human organ techniques. Because the goal for the Chinese firms is, first and foremost, there is a organ shortage globally. And so they want to be able to create artificial organs, human organs, uh, and clone them. Now, some of the programs involve cloning them and ha harvesting them from monkey-pig hybrids. So this would get them out of the Uyghur harvesting business? I think it would amplify it. I don't think Not it would get it out of it. Yes. Yeah. No, but I think it would amplify it because they're, they're killing off. Actually, I take that back. You're right. It would get them out of the Uyghur business because what they're going to use is CRISPR-Cas9 to gene edit diseases into that particular population. And then they're going to wipe them out without ever firing a shot. They're going to wipe out all the non-Han Chinese. That's what they're going for. It's And it's not going to just be in China. That's a proof okay, of concept. Okay, to refresh our recollection, yeah. Han is the dominant uh, yeah, race Yeah, race in right. China. It's ethnic and cultural. Yeah, yeah. it's like 80, like 90% mm -hmm. of the population yeah. now, and they yeah. want to get rid of the so other So they want to get rid of the Tibetans. They want to get rid of the Falun Gong. They want to yeah. get rid of all the people who are ethnically less evolved in their eyes. I'm talking Hitler on steroids. And I realize everything is like Hitler these days. You know, when we talk to people, it's, oh, he's Hitler. That's, well, like, <laughs> they, like really are. they really are. The CCP is the closest thing to the Nazi regime, except. And they've I, written about this. Oh, yeah, they've written about. Now, they, they don't talk as openly about we're going to use this to cleanse, ethically cleanse. Right. But the implication is there because who are they do? Who are they taking the samples from first? It's the people in the concentration camps. Who are they taking the samples from next? They're getting it from Europe. European populations, Canadian populations, our population, they're doing it surreptitiously. And so, uh, you know, biotech allows for them to basically manipulate the building blocks of life. Now, that's the negative side. The positive side from the Chinese Communist Party view is, hey, we can gene edit desirable traits into our preferred people and create the perfect communist man. This goes mm -hmm. back to Stalin and the days of the Soviet Union, where they were trying to use psychotherapy to basically manipulate and brainwash Soviet citizens into being good Soviet communists. Yeah. But now they're able to do this in China, not through psychology, but they're able to do it through actual genetic manipulation. Well, they use psychiatry, the Soviets. They do, they do. To yeah. explain, and they used it to say, well, look, if you don't believe in the the Soviet or the Marxist right. line, uh, you're... you're uh, mm -hmm. You're mentally ill. Right. Exactly right. If you don't love Stalin, there's something wrong with you. Right. So, so there's so many interconnections here. 
we talked about the U.S. biotech industry, yeah. which is massive. Right. And there's a lot of concern now with America and China. Recognize, I think America is now waking up to the threat that China's been for decades, and we just didn't know it. Yeah. And there's this notion of uncoupling, which I think is going to be extremely hard to do, particularly. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Exactly, but we've it been. Needs to, but I don't. Think I mean, it. Won't. It are most of the big biotech venture firms also investing in China. Well, and you brought up the French, and that's a great example because the French intelligence, which is one of the premier intelligence organizations in the world, told RTV, I believe it was RTV, which was a Lyon-based company, if you build this biosafety level four lab, Wuhan Institute of Virology, the Chinese are going to use it to do biotech. Re I mean, bioweapons research. And RTV had already invested, and they said, well, we don't care. We've already made the investment. We need to get a return. It's happening. And so they built it. And, of course, China immediately used it for weapons research. Well, you have that happening repeatedly. You had the case of the National Institute of Health, the U.S. National Institute of Health, led by then Dr. Francis Collins, and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, led by our old friend Dr. Anthony Fauci, who I remember many of your neighborhood neighbors here uh, had the We Heart Fauci signs in their front yards uh, and in the in the Maryland the area. The other yards were filled with Black Lives yes, Matter. Yes, and so, yeah, and so... They were or hate or hate has no hate home has here. no home or empathy. Yes, uh, but they those those groups were giving U.S. gobs of U.S. tax dollars yeah. uh, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology through a third party, a nonprofit called Eagle Health Alliance, led by Dr. Ralph Barrick and Peter Dozak. And the reason they were doing that is because the Obama administration in 2013, 14, and 15 started putting the kibosh on what's known as gain of function tests. On coronavirus, which is what they're doing, which at is Wuhan. what they're doing at Wuhan. Yeah, and so Wuhan. rather than the NIH saying, "Okay, we're gonna," the president has this is Obama ordered this thing to stop. They said, "Well, Mr. President, we'll stop," and then they secretly offloaded all of the research and the program through EcoHealth Alliance into the Wuhan Institute of Virology, who then turned around and weaponized. Do you think this. Fauci and Collins knew there was bioweapons there? I think they're. I think that just like so many of your old colleagues on Wall Street. I don't think they... Yeah, they, our friend Frank Gaffney calls me a recovering, recovering master right, of the universe right. because I was totally in this Right, world, and so right? I don't think they, they are capable of looking at anything beyond getting the end product, which is vaccines in their eyes, yeah. and the Nobel Prize possibilities. Um, I'll give you an example of... of well, that's my take. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get sometimes... People get annoyed with me because I defend venture capitalists mm -hmm. and private equity investors because up until they a few years ago, loved. well, they go with them, and the, and the U.S. government was encouraging investment yeah. in China. The yes. whole idea is we're going to invest in China; yeah. they're going to get rich, they'll be democratic, right? Uh, exactly, become good and citizens. The of scientific the world. community is as in hoc to that idea, yeah, as the Wall Street groups are. and remains so. And and also when you talk to science, you know, I'm married to a scientist, so when you talk to scientists cooperation not competition is the best form of science right and what better cooperation than with a regime that has no ethical limits to the kind of research it will do and it could yield instantaneous or near instantaneous vaccines and methods that could be applied here in the united states to curing some of our most serious illnesses when it comes to dr fauci what i posit in the book i found a 2006 um article detailing how Scientists wanted to use uh, mRNA 
vaccines, wanted to develop mRNA vaccines for coronaviruses as a backdoor for developing mRNA cures for HIV AIDS. Hmm. Dr. Fauci was all over this because Fauci's big claim to fame before COVID came along was he was going to be the guy that cures HIV AIDS. He never did. But I think he was locked in on using gain of function tests on coronaviruses to develop mRNA based cures, not to cure coronaviruses, but to then have a scalable capability that can then be applied to other illnesses like HIV AIDS. A lot of great movies and novels have been made about the scientists that only myopically focused on the thing they wanted to create and it wreaked extraordinary That's exactly what we have here was Frankenstein's monster. That was the point of the book. The book began, the genesis of the book, I started writing in 2018, before COVID. Because I was covering biotech in China for American Greatness. And I thought this would be a phenomenal book because nobody's paying attention to this thing. And so I started writing. I never finished it. And then COVID hits. And I'm talking to military intelligence people who are telling me using terms like biological 9-11. And so I'm thinking I should write a book on China biotech development and the risks and use COVID-19 as the hook because it is a warning shot. In fact, in 2015, Bill... The top Chinese military scientists wrote a white paper in which they outlined how they could use weaponized coronaviruses to to attack and collapse an enemy country's medical and economic systems to affect political change at the international level. COVID nineteen did all of that. Well, didn't they? Didn't may interrupt us? Very interesting. This is Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Brandon Weikert. Uh, um, thinker extraordinaire and we're talking he's written a great new book uh, biohack which i've i assume it's great i haven't read it yet but i've read excerpts at it and everything i've read is very very interesting and penetrating we're talking about china and the thorny relationship we have with china and of course the uh, the motivations of scientists and how their motivations can be at odds with their national security Yeah. And it's just like the business community. It's the same logic. Um, You know, we want to do deals and we want to make money and all the rising tide lifts all boats. And the problem is, is that, you know, when I talk to the national security types, when I give these briefings, I'll be doing one tomorrow. um, When I give these briefings, um, the, the military people can't fathom how could an American entrepreneur, how could an American scientist prefer to do business with communist China rather than us. And you're going to be briefing at the Pentagon? Yeah, yeah, I'll be briefing off-site, but yes, okay, about good. 50 or 60 generals Same from the people. Air Force. Good, yeah. good, good. Um, every time, and I always tell them, I say, hey, look, because a lot of my friends are in private sector. I have a lot of friends in the hedge fund community. I have a lot of friends in, you know, who do kind of kind of what you did. Um, and the, they don't look at it as we're going to hurt America. They look at it as I have a fiduciary responsibility to maximize profits. That's my job. That's what I'm trained to do. That's what I'm paid to do. So you guys talking about national security, I don't really care because that's not what I'm paid to think about. That's your job in the national security community. And good job. But as a business person or as a scientist, the scientist's job is to get cures. I was talking to a bioethicist, and I quote a bioethicist from Stanford who's the leading Stanford bioethicist in America. And he said, look, um, we don't like the human rights violations in China. But we are going to continue as a medical community to do business with those biotech firms based in China because they can basically get to cures faster than we can because they don't have the kind of regulatory environment that we do. They don't have the kind of ethical limitations that we do. And so when you're talking to the medical community, it's first do no harm unless the trump card to be played is 
cures, cures for some of our most vicious facts, uh, uh, diseases. And so that's why they're okay with doing science with countries like China that have an abysmal human rights record that routinely experiment on live human unwilling participants. Well, the tectonic plates are shifting, mm -hmm. and it's shifting in part because we've we've awoken to the fact that uh, China doesn't exactly have our best interest at heart. But they're also shifting because Xi mm. has begun to think he doesn't need this Western science. He doesn't need the Western right. Right. scientists, technology, the companies. Right. And he's beginning to push back right. and make China much more inhospitable mm -hmm. to, uh, yeah. to whether it's biotech or artificial this is the basis or anything. Of made, yeah, this is the basis of Made in China 2020. And, and it's interesting how Jamie Dimon, who runs J.P. Morgan, right. you know, J.P. Morgan and uh, you know, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, everybody, Black BlackRock, everybody mm -hmm. sees the sixty trillion dollars in investable assets mm -hmm. in China, yeah. savings. They and they've been invited in to help to help manage that. Right now, they're being in, getting invited out. And Jamie yeah. Dimon was interviewed just last week, and he said, "Well, you know, we're there for the Chinese people, but if national security calls, we're Americans first. And that was an interesting thing. It's, it's really the first thing. time I I've also heard think somebody... it's because he's being cut out. And I think that if he was still getting an open kimono in China, he would probably not be saying that. I so agree. I, yeah. That's why. That's why I saw yeah. it. I mean, yeah. he's he's reading where this is going. Yeah. yeah. I well remember Google pulled out in twenty. Made a big show of it. They pulled two thousand nineteen. Nineteen. The artificial intelligence program they yeah, were developing, well. but they didn't really pull out. So what I found, and I talk about this in the book, one of the heads of Google's AI team in China stayed behind. Google pulls out. This guy stays behind. He's now one of the chairs at University of Tsinghua, which is their version of MIT at China, in China, and he's running their AI development program. I think the logic is Google pulled out officially and they kept some key personnel behind to keep the ties alive with China. And they're going to wait for Congress to get distracted, as they always do, because Congress was putting a lot of pressure on Google in 2019 to pull out. So Google does it officially. They keep some key personnel and resources behind. And then they figure in a few years, once Congress is distracted again, they can pivot and go back in. That's what I think is going on. I well, think they only left because they were forced to. Right. And well, actually, they were, weren't quite forced to. This. It was, it, we said to them, the Trump people said, look, right. look if you're going to work with Google and China and artificial right. intelligence, but not you ADD. have to work with right. us. Right. And Google wouldn't do it. Right, because their programmers hated the idea of... Of working for the United States government. Well, they were opposed to the drone program, which is what it would have been used for, the targeted killing. China um, doesn't have a drone well, program. Well, they don't course. need a drone program. They just send a soldier with an AK-47 and they <laughs> pop the person in the back of the, of the head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's usually their own citizens. We're not yet droning our own citizens, although maybe the, the you know this war on domestic terrorism might go somewhere very unpleasant. But for now, we're not droning our own people. We're droning Al-Qaeda and ISIS. We're surveilling our own people. Definitely. Definitely. And I've, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, uh, we're saying nice things about you, Sissa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I did a show... Uh, with Ben Weingarten, you know him. Yeah, I, I, he's yeah. done a lot of the work yeah. on CISA and how yeah. they've they've begun to view uh, Trump voters as white supremacists That's right. and potentially domestic domestic, domestic terrorists. Yeah. They're applying this. They're applying the same um, techniques we used on Al Qaeda and ISIS on Americans who happen to be not just Trump supporters but even moderate Republicans who 
utter even a slightly negative word about the vaccine or about government, whatever. Um, anybody slightly or about denied. or about the advisability of being in Ukraine? Yeah, definitely. Or oh, about definitely. or about the way we pulled out of, of Afghanistan? Definitely, definitely. So anything that's not the administration. Or about Hunter Biden's laptop from hell, as Miranda Devine has dubbed it. Yeah, you are an enemy of the state. It's very Soviet-like. As usual, you and I are wandering way off yeah. bio biotechnology. But, well, but it, you China, know, but, but, but it all, all. But you. But there's asked, a thread. There's, there a, there's a thread these things you, are connected because you asked about the mentality. Right. And it's the same kind of mentality that justified the political class for 30, 40 years looking the other way while China brazenly engaged in trade wars against us and encouraging that sort of behavior by not retaliating in kind. It's the same kind of mentality that's related to this mentality of the scientific elite, of the business elite, which says whatever China's doing it's not as bad as the benefits that will come from us having, in the case of the political people, stable relations with China. Because we don't want war with China. We want stable relations. And hey, the business people are paying us and the political class to look the other way so they can make money. And the scientific community, hey, they say they can get cures for cancer and HIV AIDS if they do these joint projects with China. So hey, who cares? And let's face it, just like with the Japanese in the Second World War, the American leadership has a very, I think, derogatory view of China. They are imitators, not innovators after all. And I am here to say, and I've been saying for several years, if you've studied and followed China's tech sector, and I quote Kai-Fu Lee in the beginning of the book, who is the leading Taiwanese-American-born uh, um, uh, AI researcher. He's a huge venture capitalist. He does investments all over Asia in AI. And he, quote, he talks about how the absolute idiotic assumption that China is only imitative. They're not innovative. They are imitative to cut down on R&D costs. But once they catch up to whoever they're imitating, they start spinning off and innovating from there. And they are able by then, because they've developed the indigenous infrastructure to do the R&D, they've now spun out and they're actually out innovating in many cases. The Western firms that were laughing at them, saying, oh, you're just Chinese, you're imitative, you're, you know, there are instances in the 90s of Boeing willingly coughing up sensitive technology. The Boeing president, I think it was, um, it might have been Curtis Ellis's last book, um, Pandemonium, He's, he passed, unfortunately, but he, I think it was his book where he quoted the Boeing president in China saying, I'm going to give them whatever they want because the Chinese are too stupid to figure it out on their own. Hmm. Yeah, well, guess what? Now China's developed their own indigenous, you know, airplane system there, you know, big things have small beginnings, which is a key theme of the book. That's, that's a phrase from a movie called Prometheus. And it's a, it's a prequel to the movie alien. Um, but the theme of that movie was basically you can start with small genetic experimentations and it gets out of control. Mm. Well, you can scale that thought up to the whole China project, which is big things have small beginnings. 50 years ago, China was a giant North Korea. Today, they're the second largest economy GDP-wise. They're the largest economy in terms of purchasing power parity. Um, and I would argue that whatever problems they have, it, they're, they're going to, I think they're going to leapfrog us soon. Well, they, well, we're our own worst enemy. We are, and the yeah, Chinese I, love that I, about yeah, us. Yeah, but we're, we're the gift that keeps on giving. We are. But let's go to the second point I made to open the show, which was that COVID-19 was a biological 9-11. Right. And you opened, you wrote an essay recently. You said coronaviruses can be artificially manipulated into an emerging human disease virus 
been weaponized and unleashed in a way never seen before. Right. And then you go on to say that's what happened that's exactly. with Wuhan. Yeah. yeah. So the So this was not this so, was Yes. So in the book, I I walk the reader through because I don't know for certain. I will tell you what I am certain about. This is not a naturally forming disease. Now, I am not certain if this was a lab leak by accident or if this was intentional. So what I walk the, walk the reader through is I say, look, the prevailing wisdom on the lab leak. Do we theory, have any information one way or the other? Tom Cotton and a lot of the elected leaders who are thinking this is lab leak say this was an accident because it ended up hurting the Chinese people as much as it hurt us, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Um, I walk the reader through. I think I'm the only person talking about COVID who says this could be a biological 9-11 because everybody tends to, to lean toward the lab leak accident theory. Um, in that essay, which is taken from a chapter in the book, um, I walk the reader through why it might not have been an accident. Well, walk well, us through it. I Give will. us the elevator pitch. So basically, 29, well, 2016, Donald Trump's elected on the campaign trail. He scares the bejesus out of the Chinese because he's the first American president in 50 years who's talking about China. Now, forgive this language. This is Trump's, Trump's language. You know, it's Trump. Uh, China's raping us is what he said repeatedly on the, in those big campaign rallies he had. The Chinese were listening. Well, if he worked he, in a factory in Peoria, you might agree. I, and that's that was why he won. One of the yeah. reasons why yeah. he won. Yeah. So he says that repeatedly throughout the campaign. <clears throat> one of the, the first action he takes when he's president-elect, he takes a phone call from the pro-independence leader of Taiwan that was orchestrated by Bob Dole. This call was orchestrated. The Chinese said, don't you do it. And he did it anyway. So then they capture one of our Navy drones in the South China Sea. This is all in the run-up to his inauguration. Trump says, you are going to give us that back or else. So China has to stand before down. He was inaugurated. This is before he's inaugurated in 20, uh, 2016. This is during the transition. So China stands down. Now Trump becomes president, initiates a trade war. What is he targeting? He's targeting agricultural products, food, going from us to China. One of the most dependable ways Chinese regimes over their 4,000-year history have famine. been taken down is famine. The Chinese leadership is not looking at this as Trump's a businessman just trying to get trying to squeeze us. Yeah. Well, you're making a, a China has a lot of weaknesses, a lot of insecurities. Fundamental weaknesses. Food yeah. insecurity Huge. is massive. Huge. Water insecurity. Yes. I mean, they last time I was here, we talked about that. Yeah. Well, they're trying. Well, they're trying to drain the what, river basins in Vietnam yeah. to uh, to get water. Yeah. Into China. Well, there's water wars all over the Eurasia right now and Africa. And, and so yeah. this idea, they're not they're not actually resource rich. No, they're not, and they're not. And this Except is when it comes to raw, this is why if, rare, right. rare minerals. This is why if we stand up to them consistently across multiple administrations, I think we can force them to behave. But let's come back yeah. to your Trump. Right. He, he went after the food. So and he goes exports. after the food. And in the Chinese leadership mind, remember, they are waging unrestricted war, which is an unconventional strategy. It's they, they know they can't take us on in a fair fight. So, unrestricted war real quick. Let's yeah. define that. Yeah. So that's basically using all measures a society has to inflict damage on a rival country. So they're using trade. That's the big one they use against us. They're using lawfare, using our laws against us suing us so that we can't say certain things about China because it's, you know, a violation of first, using our First Amendment against us, getting our companies to censor us on issues like the origin. I was censored on Twitter uh, in 2020 
because I was talking about this. Um, using all measures short of direct conflict, basically. Okay. Uh, it's, it's societal warfare. Okay. Continue. And so China's been doing this since the 70s with trade primarily. Trump's the first president since that time period who did, who in their mind, oh my gosh, he's doing the same thing we do to them. He's doing it to us now. And guess what happened? Yes, it's true. We got hurt in the trade war as well. But ultimately in 2019, China had to sign a better deal for America. They cow, they kowtowed to us. And actually I quote in the book, Wall Street Journal, who I love Wall Street Journal, but all the writers over there, the free trade people were saying, well, it was a failure. Trump failed and he ended up making everything more expensive. Well, if you talk to Chinese professors who were advising Xi at the time, the reason Xi folded is because China was struggling with the, what we were cutting them off from key food. At the time, same time, Hong Kong is erupting in democratic protest. To Xi Jinping, these are not unrelated incidents. This is part of a coordinated Trump administration covert war on China to overthrow Xi. Which when you, so, if you know the Trump administration, the idea of it's orchestrated is pretty it's comical. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But it shows yeah. you, it shows, uh, Edward Lutwak calls this great state autism, basically where um, neither party has the ability to perceive the other side from the shoes of the other side. Right. We're all in our own headspace. So the Chinese leadership is incapable of understanding just how chaotic the Trump administration is. There's no great plan here. I say that with all due respect to, to Trump. Um, there's, no great, there's no great plan. In their eyes, this is exactly what they would do to us. It's what they've been doing to us. So how are they going to respond is the question, because this is a first strike by the Americans in the eyes of Xi. Well, we have this bioweapon that we're developing. It's not going to kill everybody. We don't want to kill everybody, but it's going to cause chaos in America. We want to get the orange man out of the White House. And he is right now coasting to a large re-election. So we're going to do this. We're going to launch a disease that's annoying. It's very sad, the people it kills. But it's not like smallpox. That'll come later. We, we're going to launch this thing to have psychological, political, and economic damage of the kind that will affect political change, regime change in America bloodlessly. We're going to do it in a way that will put our person, Joe Biden, in charge. And that is the biological 9-11. It was a political outcome from a biological attack. I like your theory. Do we have anybody else who agrees with us? There, the, the term biological 9-11 came from two colonels who will not be named, uh, in Marine Corps intelligence, who I was speaking at one of these events about biotech in China, and they pulled me aside during the lunch break. This was in the middle of COVID, and they began describing their the their unit's theories on what exactly COVID was. So they had the motive, mm -hmm. they had the weapon. Mm -hmm. The problem with the weapon, though, is that it, it's like turning a gun onto yourself. Yeah, because look what it did to China. As and well. then China ended up just, right. they just unlocked about right. three or four months ago, but there's their, their zero COVID lockdown, right. it just wrecked the country. It did, but it also enhanced Xi's power as never before. It gave him an excuse to get rid of Hu Jintao, the former president, and to basically weaken before he died. Is um, that the guy he, hum he humiliated? Humiliated, yes. And then also before the, the president from two presidents ago, <clears throat> Um, uh, now I'm Zhang Jimin. Um, he weakened his faction to the point of breaking it, and then Zhang Jimin died of old age. So Hu Jintao's sitting pretty now. He's enhanced all control toward himself, and at the same time, he has put. Remember, what was the term they were using during the lockdowns in China? We're implementing wartime controls. Wartime controls. What did Xi do in 2019? Our friend Gordon Chain talks about this all the time. Uh, Xi 
announced a people's war against the United States. This was in the middle of the trade war. Okay, this was a famous speech. G's wearing fatigues. He's in a military garb, and he's talking about we are announcing a people's war, or declaring a people's war. W yes. When was this? This was around, I think, May of 2019. May 2019. So, so around, 10 yeah. months before, yeah. or nine months before this, yeah. this COVID thing. Hit. Yeah. Now, did the COVID thing emerge in China uh, in 2019, December, November, December, or when it is. So in the book, I talk about this. So I had a the timeline. So I had a. It's it's murky because they've covered everything up and they've burned the documents. But but um, I had a friend literally burn the documents. Well, they deleted them from the database at the okay. Wuhan Institute right, good. of Virology. All right. um, I had a friend who I went to DePaul University with, um, my undergraduate in Chicago. And he learned Mandarin, and he was a business guy, and he told me on the day we graduated, he said, you're never going to see me again. I said, why? He goes, I'm moving to China, I'm going to marry a Chinese woman, I'm going to be a Chinese investor. That's what I'm going to be. I said, okay, good for you. So I never heard from him until after, after that until 2019. He got a hold of me on Facebook. He goes, hey, man, he goes, are you still in Chicago? I go, no, I live in Florida. He goes, oh, he goes, well, I'm moving back to Chicago. I said, why? I thought this, you know, China was it for you. So, well, you know, he had some personal stuff that happened. He said, but he said, there's this weird disease floating around and I want, this is what he says. I want to get out quote before they won't let me out. Hmm. And this was October ish of 2019. So then I get another uh, message from a friend who was working in state department telling me state department's intelligence bureau is getting weird reports from our consulates all over China about some new pathogen. Have you heard anything about it? No, I haven't heard anything about it. I said, I, I had a friend who just told me something's going on. Well, then Josh Rogan, who is a colleague of mine, uh, Josh Rogan at the Washington Post, who's a great writer on China, he does this expose on these State Department cables that are reports of our diplomats and our intelligence people saying there's something going on in China. This is October, November of 2019. We have to think about it. If this is being reported on in October and November of 2019, it's probably started appearing at least a couple of months before that in 2019. The Chinese government knew about it the whole time. So even if you don't, I always tell this to people, even if you don't subscribe to the lab leak theory, which I don't think is a theory, but even if you don't subscribe to it, you have to be, be able to acknowledge that the Chinese government had malintent because they knew about this disease weeks and months before they actually admitted to it, okay. and they so, covered it up. So if the target was Trump, mm -hmm. they have to be very good. Or It seems like the psychological profiling they'd have to do of Trump would have unearthed the fact that if he's got one phobia, it's, it's germs. germs. Yep. I mean, his Achilles heel, he wouldn't shake hands, I yep. think, before he became a, yep. a politician. I think yep. even after he became a politician, he was legendary for he'd being wash a his hands. He's, he's a germaphobe. Yeah, he used to joke about it with people. So do you think they understood that and that he would overreact to this? I am 100% certain that the Ministry of State Security, their intelligence agency, has comprehensive psychological workups on all the major leaders in the United States, not just private sector. I mean, that's public sector, but also probably private sector as well. So yes, I am sure. And they're now using artificial intelligence and things like this to try to anticipate reactions from leaders. What did I call you? Um, a panic and anxiety inducing. 
I feel like we're walking into a very good movie. But, but the, the good thing here we'll is... We'll have to recognize that I have this solutions. Is, so we don't get this show yeah. canceled. We are, we are right. theorizing. Theorizing. Okay, continue. But it's important to note, you see, people always, the media always loves it to talk to me about the fear scenarios. <laughs> and my wife can't handle it most of the time, but I always tell them... <laughs> She's the, a brave woman. I was like, the back half of my books always outline very the, thorough the plans. positive future the positive future but <laughs> okay. they never want to focus on that they want to focus on you know the the doom and gloom it's like the divine comedy we're yeah. starting in the inferno right i'm gonna <laughs> climb out i have i have a way you know okay, okay we'll continue yeah. um well basically there you know and we do psychology i mean the dark triad um there was a I, I actually taught this class to students about a year ago um on the the psychology of xi jinping there was a group of really innovative um, graduate students, I think it was the University of Wisconsin, and they did an incredible deep dive on Xi Jinping's psychology. And they presented it. And so I was showing this to, to audiences. And, and, and it, it, I mean, it was really brilliant. I'll have to, to post it at some point on my, my Twitter. Um, but basically, they found that his personality matrix was so dark and so um, cutthroat that he was probably, in their view, one of the most malicious uh, rival country leaders that this country has ever faced off against. And I would argue that our leadership is lacking compared to the kind of depths that Xi Jinping will go to. Think about it this way. <laughs> wow. Well, certainly That's a pretty bold. Well, well, well <laughs> think about it. Think about it this we, way. You know, I just first yeah. I, when I, I've been doing this show for a while, and I remember. Remember, Maureen, we did this one, uh, I guess, gosh, five, six years ago. It was Herman Perchner. And, oh, yeah. I, and I realized doing the research on the show that the Chinese leadership, they're almost all trained as engineers. Yes. Yes. And God knows how the American leadership's trained. Lawyers, lawyers I suppose. Lobbyists. And so I guess I asked yeah. the question. Influence pilots. They're trained as engineers. We're, we're lawyers. What could right. go wrong? Right. I think we're seeing what right. could go wrong. Absolutely. They actually are methodically. Yes. Um, figuring out what makes everything tick. Yeah. Anyway, yes. I just, yeah. there's and, a pattern well, there, that there I, is. I totally... You're 100% uh, correct. And, um, I mean, you have to understand, you're going up against the Chinese leadership. You have to understand this environment that they're coming up in. This is not... I mean, we think American politics is cutthroat. It is. But this is literally cutthroat. This is, if you mess up, you're dead. Mm -hmm. Your family's dead. Xi Jinping is considered the closest leader the closest to Mao type leadership in China that they've had since Mao Zedong. Yet Mao Zedong is the guy that imprisoned and tortured Xi's father. Mao Zedong is the guy that sent Xi Jinping, after he sent his father away, took the Xi Jinping family, sent young Xi to go work in the communes in the farm. This was a princeling. Xi was a princeling. Sent the sister away from the family sent the mother away from the family. Sister kills herself because she's so miserable. Xi Jinping doesn't hate Mao. He idolizes Mao. Xi hates his father. That's what you're dealing with. Because he figures his father effed up. For those listening and not watching, I've got a... I've got, I'm, I'm witnessing shock and dismay. In my, he hates... He loved Mao and hates his father. Hates his dad. That's what you're dealing with. That's the man you're dealing with. Th this is not somebody that... So why... why? Uh, I always learn so much new from you. Why is this not more 
front and center in terms of our dealing with China, because just in the last month, we've got Anthony Blinken wanting to reschedule his trip. The last mm. one was canceled because I think when you and the I balloon. were together, yeah. the balloon. Yeah, the dreaded and balloon. And then uh, Janet Yellen's over there acting like it's 19, uh, or actually, you know, 2005, yeah. where we're going to have trade with each right. other and we're going to... joke. And, it, you know, she's like in a time war. Well, she's a vassal. The Biden administration is a vassal of the Chinese regime. They're they paying tribute. That's what they're doing. I can't state it clearer than that. I want to make it clear. I don't want anyone to think, well, he's being, I'm not being hyperbolic. I am convinced, and I think it will come out with this James Comer, the representative from Kentucky who's leading the House Republican investigation. Um, I think Joe Biden and his entire family, including probably his dead son, Bo, were all bought and paid for long ago by the Chinese government. And they are paying tribute to Mr. Xi. They have found the congressional investigation has determined that in the last few years, the Biden family, through Hunter Biden's various quote-unquote business dealings, garnered $10 million in Chinese funny money. Now, they can't connect it yet to the president. I think they will over time. I fundamentally believe that Joe Biden is the closest thing to a Manchurian candidate that we have had. And... Um, we're not taking it seriously. So when I see Janet Yellen going over to China and I see our companies doing business, it's because we're, we're vassals. The elite in America have been bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. So this is the elite capture. This is 100 this is, This takes it to a whole new level. Level. And you've done a whole lot of work on this, and, and I believe it, but I'm sure there are other people hearing this go, my goodness, they're wandering into terrible conspiracies. I think it's problem. I think it's true. It's not a conspiracy. Uh, What's the mechanism? You know, they've they've written and said publicly that one of their strategies is elite capture, and we see it operating with something like Belt and Road, mm. where they've gone around to Central America, right. South America, Africa, mm -hmm. all over all over the world, Middle East if they can, mm -hmm. and they've 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 implemented Belt and Road with the idea of of doing infrastructure and other projects for the countries. But what they're really doing is they're paying off the leadership. Absolutely. And they get them on the payroll. That's exactly right. And it's so, the Chicago style of politics. Yeah. So you yeah. get you get a you get a hydroelectric dam in your country yeah. built by the Chinese with mm -hmm. Chinese labor, I might add, and right. Chinese technology. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the way, you owe them money, and if you can't pay, they'll take it back. Mm -hmm. There's that. That is like the Chinese. That's like the Chicago mob. That's the Chicago mob right there. But the which is why the Democrats love <laughs> taking money from them because they recognize it. But the piece that you know that's a countrywide, that's a country to country problem, but. They get the leaders involved. I'm yeah. sure they get fees to bring China in. Absolutely, they're all bought and paid for. Let me. Let so me. So why isn't this? I mean, I'm I'm wandering into this. So I've been mm. a long way since my my show with Herman. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> by the way, that's our most widely watched show. It's I watched believe by Herman's every great. Chinese bot on the planet. Big fan of Herman <laughs> and and his group, America. And, of, um, yeah. Uh, Foreign policy. Council. Why isn't you know why why aren't there more people like you and Peter Schweizer unearthing this? Well, on the one hand, if there were more people like me, I, I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be as recognized. Wouldn't, wouldn't be able to get my books out. You know, everybody would be doing it. But uh, uh, beyond well, the self that's a good point. beyond the self self interested point, I you know I really think that uh, you know a four star general brought me aside. This was about two years ago. This was during actually the same meeting with those Marine Corps intelligence guys, and he he was sort of making fun of me. He's like, "You're a real radical thinker," and I said, "Yeah, I am." And he said, he said, it's a good thing you left government when you did. And I said, why is that? And I said, I kind of miss it. And he said, well, 
He said the bureaucracy's only role is to flatten. He said it flattens everyone into consensus. Yeah, it's a corporation. And he said, he said, what you're saying, you would have been flattened by now and you would have been miserable. And so I think that the reason uh, we don't have enough people in government saying this is, A, the kind of people that are attracted to government service these days and promoted are people who fundamentally disagree with what I'm saying. And B, in order for these people, for any government employee to rise through the ranks, they have to toe the line. And the general line, as we were talking about at the beginning of the program, is China good, China trade good, China scientific cooperation good. China's our friend. We All we need to do is be nice to them long enough and they'll become good liberal Democrat capitalists. That's why. This is the Bill Walton Show, and I'm here talking with the uh, stunning Brandon Weikert, as always, with the <laughs> rattling off provocative uh, statement after provocative statement in the last 10 minutes. I hope you've been listening carefully and taking notes. I happen to agree with him. Uh, now, we're, we're wandering into this notion of the cap elite capture. Mm -hmm. You've called them vassals. Okay, well, that may be the word, maybe not the word, but... And then, but I'm a little pushback against you when you read a book on space and how mm -hmm. if we get our space program going, and we talk about we. Mm -hmm. And when I ever hear people talking about national interest in we, like we ought to do this to mm -hmm. promote our, our, our military, we ought to do this to promote our commercial interest. My problem with that now is I don't think the we, hmm. I think a lot of the we were divided. Some of the we is playing for the other side. Well, yes. They're that, on the other team. The question is, what's the percentage of it? I don't think it's a majority yet. I don't either. That's why I say why, we, I, I think ultimately there's more of us. I do too. Than there are of them. I mean, I think we're vastly in the majority. I do. I, I think that's true of most Democrats, by the way, too, not just Republicans. I think yeah. most, most common street Democrats are not you know, looking to do the bidding of the Chinese Communist Party. I, they may be woefully ignorant about things, but, um, you know, I, I just think that most Americans want America to do great because it's where we are. Most we are. I do. I agree. Yeah. We're in the majority. We need yeah. We need to. We, we need, need to come need, up with we, language that appeals to everybody or majority of people. But this is where we get to move to the dessert portion of this of this meal, which is the presidential election in mm. 2024. Because mm. we, before we started, you said to me that you think this is going to end up as a race of Biden versus Trump. Do you still think that? Um, no, I was I was saying, I, well, yes, I think that right now, um, you just look at the polling data. Trump's, what, 28 points ahead of the nearest competitor, which is my governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, who I love. Um, and if you're just going off that, then, yeah, it's going to be Trump versus Biden. And I think Biden will defeat Trump. I, I believe that. Well, based on everything we just said in the last half hour, Biden defeating Trump. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. He, he beat him before, whether by hook or by crook, he beat him before. I don't think if it's Ron DeSantis as the nominee, I don't think Biden wins. I think Biden will lose big time, bigly. I think he will lose. I think, and I write about this at 1945, I think, 1945.com, um, I think that um, Trump, he has a very strong base of support. He's got like 32% that are, you know, ride or die for Trump no matter what. The problem is there's more than just that in the electorate, okay? And... He was able to win enough of those independents in those key blue wall states in 2016 because Hillary Clinton was awful and everybody had a problem with her. 
Even Democrats had a problem with her. Yes, she won the popular vote, but in those key blue wall states, <coughs> Trump was able to eke out enough votes for him just based on the fact that he wasn't Hillary Clinton and the fact that he was talking about things that affected the working class. However, come 2020, the middle, upper middle <laughs> class, middle class, um, educated suburbanite types, a lot of women, mainly women, um, came out in full force against Trump. So even with all of the mail-in balloting, I still think that Trump probably would not have won that because he had his attitude, his behavior, his Twitter had cost him the goodwill of the people. All he could write on was, I'm a great economic president. And that was enough to get him going, get him through. Had COVID not hit, I think he would have won in a landslide, even with people being, I don't, I don't really like this guy. But once COVID hit and the economy collapsed, remember, for a period of time, it was the worst economy since the Great Depression because of the forced lockdowns. Lockdowns that he put into place. He was listening to Fauci. He was listening to all the wrong voices telling him, lockdown indefinitely, you know, end people's lives, you know, livelihoods rather. Well, um, he hasn't walked that back recently. He won't. Well, he can't. Yeah. He can't. How can he? This was his legacy. And he's walking around saying, and look, I will give him Operation Warp Speed. I'm one of the few people who think I respect the fact that he tried something innovative. At the same time, it set up the conditions that allowed for the new administration to try to force people to take a vaccine that I don't think was ready for showtime. And I want to make it clear to your audience. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I am skeptical of this particular vaccine. I think if people are given all the information that they need, that they can make an informed decision, if they want to get the vaccine, that's great. If not, that's that's great, too. I think that's freedom. Yeah, but it should but, be, it but should it should be, be your choice. But this is all from yeah. Trump, though. Yeah. Trump gave the tools to the government to then impose this on us. And so I think people, ordinary voters, independents, women, for a variety of reasons, when it comes down to the ballot, if it's Trump versus Biden, they're going to walk into that that polling booth and they're going to say, I can't go for another four years of crazy. I'd rather sleepy than crazy. But he's not sleepy. Who? That's Biden. I mean, come well, on. That's, that's the that's, the that, may have, that may have been the perception. But, for, but through, perception you know, is power. In 2020. No, he's still that's but still But now we got a guy falling down the stairs the, every time he rather, gets on one. They'd rather. And we've the, got we've got all the things that you've been talking about. I hear. About look, I'm not family. a lover of Biden. Now, please don't take that to say that. But but I'm just trying to look at this objectively, which is what they pay me at 1945 to do. And I'm trying to understand the electorate beyond the Republican Party. And it, to me, seems like right now Trump can totally win the nomination and then totally lose the general election. I think the flip side uh, of that equation, if you have a young, dynamic leader who maybe he's not the best campaigner because Ron DeSantis needs, DeSantis needs to work on the campaign side. but I think it's too he, late. He is who he is. Right. And that's fine, too, because I think the policies— He could take lessons from Richard Nixon. He, yeah, he Get could. Get a tan. But 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 the thing is, you're right, you're right. But the thing is, though, his policies in Florida, I live there, his policies yeah. speak for themselves. Whereas Trump was actually on the phone threatening Ron DeSantis, you can't op reopen, you're going to make me look bad. You know what this is going to do to your political future? Ron DeSantis said, I don't care, I have an obligation to the Florida people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to reopen. And he did it before many other states did. Fourth largest economy in the country. Reopened it. We became a mecca. Bill, my home prices my, are soaring when the rest of the country is starting to slow down. Um, even with the hurricane, you know, I survived Hurricane Ian, still dealing with that. That's when we did our last show. That's right. Um, but 
I will say, people are still moving down to my neighborhood. Yeah. They're still, I mean, because of DeSantis's policies. Imagine scaling that up for the whole country. I want to give that a go. And also, no, but, all, you know, but okay, let's say some, if by, by some miracle, DeSantis wins the nomination. I guess the miracle would be, no, it wouldn't be a miracle, but, you know, they're still threatening to put Trump in prison. Well, that's what you have pardons for. You got to win, though, to do that. You got, they're going to look. Well, my so, point is, Trump, you know, there's so many things that arrows aimed at point Trump to keep him from the nomination. No, I think actually the indictments are going to help him get the nomination. I think that's another reason he's going to lose because I think ordinary Americans, if you look at the polling data, and I realize you can't live by the polls, but it's a good indicator in many cases. Independent voters want Joe Biden and Donald Trump equally prosecuted for their mishandling of classified documents. They don't want one or the other. They don't want neither. They want both. Because the American people, I think, fundamentally want justice. They want fairness. And they're recognizing that the stuff with Hunter's woefully unfair. But also, Trump, it's very obvious, and I don't want to get into trouble here because I, I like Trump. I was, a, I was one of the first supporters in 2015 when he came down that golden escalator. I was all on board publicly. I lost my career in D.C. partly because I came out so loudly and proudly for Trump. I'm saying this as objectively as I can. I think that Trump turns off a lot of people. And I think the fact of the matter is he did make decisions in these cases that, that led to these, these cases that damaged him. So, for instance, with the classified documents, it's a silly thing. He shouldn't, no other president would be tried for this. But the fact of the matter is, our National Archives, there's an email chain indicating the National Archives briefed the Trump briefers. This is how you go about declassification of documents. There's an email chain. The Trump briefers indicate we've briefed POTUS on this, and Trump continued to do what he was going to do anyway. This is how they're going to hang Trump on this. And these are violations of the Espionage Act and obstruction of justice, justice charges. And so that's 33 years possibly, okay? Trump, probably, they're going to be able to, to make the case, I think, that he, he obstructed justice, definitely. And he probably violated, however unwittingly, the Espionage Act. So it's going to take a Republican president, either Trump or DeSantis, to get, him, to get Trump out of this mess. So Trump would pardon himself? I think that's why he's running yeah. so hard. I really do. And I, that kind of scares me. I'm, I, I'm going to admit, that kind of scares me. I love Trump, and I think, he's being, I think he's being wrongly prosecuted in most of these cases. I do think, though, character is destiny. And I do think he has a character flaw where he just can't keep his hand away from the flame. And so I think he, there, you know, the Stormy Daniels thing. I mean, come on. You know, he kind of got himself into this with his libidinous behavior. And, uh, you know, we impeached a president over that kind of behavior. You know, this is reminding me why I don't do politics. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. speculative. It is. And ultimately depressing. Because it if is. we end up with Biden as president again, it's, it's all, the, over. all the concerns you've it's been over. reporting Everything on national security, about is over. it's yeah. game over. It's over. 2020, this is why, for me, you know, the, you know I, I know the DeSantis people. I know the Trump people. Um, I look at this, try to look at this objectively. I'm a Republican. I'm going to vote Republican period. But I try to look at who's the best person. Um, I said before the show began, Trump is an incredible campaigner. DeSantis is not. The problem is, I don't really care about campaigns. I don't, I don't care. I care about once you get into power, 
How are you going to execute the promise of the campaign? Trump proved after four years, and it's not all his fault. I want to make that clear. He had the Russia thing. He had, there were so many things that were weaponized against him. I completely agree with. But the fact of the matter is his key issue of personnel, personnel's policy, we hear that mantra in D.C. I think that was Reagan who came up with that mantra. He picked abysmal people. Well, and now he's got Mike Pence yeah. coming out saying January 6th. Trump, it, yeah. was me, it was me following uh, the Constitution yeah. or Trump, and I yeah. picked the Constitution. There a lot, he's got a lot of Well, Mike Pence isn't going to win. Nah, Mike, Pence, no, we, Mike Pence keeps saying he's Ronald Reagan. He's not. He's George W. Bush, and that ain't good for anybody. So he's a bygone era. He will not get anything. Okay, I've got several friends who work. I'm going to just shut up at this point. This has been so much fun. We got, as always, we, we've uh, we've uh, just tipped the uh, top of the iceberg, and we got so many other things to talk about. Um, my wife is operating camera three, and uh, I know she's been wanting to jump in on this, but uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get you back soon. Yeah, please. And uh, looking I, get, when you get your briefing come, maybe we can come back and do this again. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, this has been the Bill Walton Show here with Brandon Weikert, who's written uh, his latest, uh, I'm sure, uh, riveting book, uh, Biohack, China's Race to Control Life, which in this case means uh, biotech, but it also means other aspects of life. And we've gotten into that is yeah. this. Um, where can we find you? Uh, well, you can find me on, well, I write a lot on Twitter at we the Brandon. Um, okay. and I write at 1945, that's one nine. And then you, the F O R T Y F I V E.com. Uh, also I'm a contributor at, uh, the Asia times, uh, American greatness and the Washington times Fantastic. and possibly the federalist. Uh, we'll see. That would yeah. be great. Yeah, that'd be great. And you can find us at thebillwaldenshow.com and on um, YouTube and Rumble and Spotify and, and Apple iTunes or Apple Music and all the, all the podcast platforms. And uh, please subscribe. Uh, and also, will you send us your comments about shows you'd like to see us do, guests you like? I know you've all been asking for Brandon back, and I brought him back today, but more to come. Uh, anyway, we're at billwaldenshow.com. And... Uh, um, stay tuned for up, up, upcoming episodes and glad you were here to join us on this one. So talk soon. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.